You're listening to Cancer Covered. In our wish to be reassured by our friend and loved one that they're going to be fine, we we can sometimes tread into asking things that we really have no business asking. You're listening to Cancer Covered with Green Bay Oncology, where we explore pressing cancer issues and look for ways healthcare professionals, patients, and their families can cope better together. I'm Dr. Mitch Winkler. And I'm Kyla King. And we're your hosts. When someone we care about faces cancer, we naturally want to express our love and support. But we're often at a loss for what to say. It's awkward and that sometimes causes us to accidentally say unhelpful things. In today's episode, we'll explore what makes us feel the way we do when talking with someone with cancer, what they might prefer not to hear, and some suggested do's and don'ts. So Mitch, why does talking with someone who has cancer make us so uncomfortable? It most of boils down to anxiety. There's anxiety that we have on behalf of the patient, we're worried on their behalf. We would like to reassure them if we can. We'd like not to offend them. We'd like not to make them more worried by accidentally saying something wrong. And we may be worried about how they're going to do or, or what they're going through. Then there's some anxiety that we have actually for ourselves in interacting with a cancer patient. First of all, because of how prevalent denial is in, in our country and about illness, cancer, and mortality, really, we, when, we're, when someone with cancer enters our lives or when someone in our lives uh, gets diagnosed with cancer, it makes us confront things that we maybe haven't thought about before, and that's that it can really happen to anybody. So we look for in some ways, them to reassure us that they're going to be okay so that we can feel okay by proxy. It's high stakes for everybody. Yeah, it is. Or at least that's what we bring to it. That's what we load up the conversation with going in. We're afraid of doing harm. We're afraid of failing to be a good friend. We're afraid of the feelings that knowing about cancer close to home in our circle makes us feel, and we don't want to put it wrong, and we would like things to be uh, the way they are before. So it, it comes in in high stakes when, in many ways, it ought to still just be a normal interaction. But that's why it can sometimes feel odd for people that may have known each other for a long time or even be uh, closer related to suddenly be put on this strange footing with each other. Do cancer patients ever tell you that they feel uncomfortable talking about it with others? I've heard that from people. I've observed it. I've had patients say that they don't know what to say. I've heard patients say they would rather not talk about their cancer at all. I've heard patients say that no one talks to me at all or avoids me. It's a real mix. Cancer is a very individual experience, and it depends on who the person is, what makes them comfortable, what makes them uncomfortable. And there's as many different ways to feel about cancer and a a cancer diagnosis as there are people. It varies a lot. There are some common themes that we see over and over again. I think the most common one is that most cancer patients don't want cancer to define them or consume their whole lives. They, in most cases, 
want to maintain as much of a normal life as possible. So they don't want to spend every single minute thinking about cancer. They don't want to spend every single minute talking about cancer. That's not to say that they don't want to talk about it at times or that they may not want to talk about it a lot. But most people don't want to redefine themselves in terms of their cancer and want to stay engaged with their normal life and their normal activities as much as possible. Many patients have described to me an unpleasant sense of being othered either being recognizably different because they're going through cancer treatment, whether that's because of hair loss or any other visible signs, or if they're carrying a pump or they're going in and out of a a cancer treatment center, or just being thought of as somehow different. That can be an unpleasant part of the experience that patients can find uncomfortable. Being reminded how different the experience is they're going through, and they will often describe a sense of isolation. And sometimes that's because of how people treat them, and sometimes that's because of people avoiding them because they don't know what to say or they feel like people are walking on eggshells around them. That can be unpleasant. Cancer patients have said, and many have written blogs, that hearing blanket reassurances of the sort like, oh, I'm sure it's all going to be just fine, or oh, I know how you're feeling, can feel very dismissive. Physicians are sometimes guilty of saying things like, I know how you're feeling because we really don't. In some ways, I feel odd about even talking about this because in some ways, I'm speaking on behalf of cancer patients, reporting things and synthesizing things that they've said to me and things that they have written. But I myself have never gone through what they've gone through. So I I can't, I can't say that I know exactly either. I can make certain inferences, but it's not nearly the same thing. There's probably no specific phrases or topics that are always absolutely right or absolutely wrong. Communication is never quite that simple. But there are several common themes or phrases that many patients find touchy. Like when friends or acquaintances say, so you have this type of cancer? That's one of the good ones to get. One that I've heard frequently from cancer patients that can be upsetting is, oh, you have this type of cancer, that's one of the good ones to get. I'd agree with you. Again, I think physicians are sometimes guilty of that. We will sometimes say, I have sometimes said, of all of the X types of cancers, this is the best one to get. And we say that in an attempt to be reassuring, but recasting a cancer experience as somehow inherently good can really rub some people the wrong way. I don't think it always is a bad thing, but I think we have to be really careful about applying any kind of qualitative judgment, good or bad, about an experience. And when we describe any sort of cancer illness or diagnosis as good, no matter how good the prognosis is, it can feel like it diminishes the impact or that, oh, see, now you don't have to act funny or be worried or be scared or anxious about anything because you got the good one and no worries. So don't talk to me about your anxiety ever again. It can sometimes feel that way. And that's not really the intended message, uh, but it, it can sure land that way. Or my grandma who had X whether it's relevant or not, was just fine. So I'm sure you will be too. It can have the same effect. It can be dismissive. It can be felt as diminishing somehow or the idea that no matter how good the prognosis is, there's not room for the emotional impact that a diagnosis like this can have. Recognizing that people are individuals and that some people need to engage with this and talk about it a lot or post on Facebook or write blogs or essays about it and and need to talk about it a lot, other people need not to. Both are perfectly normal responses and things, but 
no matter how open people tend to be, cancer patients have often described to me a sense of being overwhelmed by unintentionally intrusive questions or check-ins or being bombarded by well-meaning, loving people who are coming out of the woodwork from all different directions, checking in, asking questions, wanting updates, or offering advice. And people very frequently describe a sense of uh, being overwhelmed and almost wanting to disconnect for a period of time. Clearly, there are some things people would rather not talk about. That varies a lot. I think sometimes people don't want to talk about the diagnosis at all to the point of they don't want to hear the word cancer said in their presence. They might use euphemisms like the, the C word or something of that sort. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to bring it up. Do I need to not say that? So there's a lot of ways that cancer patients themselves can feel uncomfortable just in the flow of normal social interaction day to day. Most faux pas with cancer patients fall into four categories. First, being accidentally dismissive. Second, probing questions about prognosis. Third, asking them to reassure us. And finally, offering unsolicited medical advice, especially in the form of comparisons with our family members who may have had a different cancer altogether. First is being accidentally dismissive. Oh, I'm sure that's going to be just fine. Or, oh, that's one of the good ones. We talked about that uh, a bit, which can, even if the prognosis is good, can come off as emotionally dismissive, being accidentally presumptuous about asking very probing, sometimes intimate questions. Oh, are you going to have a mastectomy? Or is it curable? Or what stage are you? In our wish to be reassured by our friend and loved one that they're going to be fine, we, we can sometimes tread into asking things that we really have no business asking. On that same vein, what we often unintentionally do when we're talking to cancer patients because our own anxiety on their behalf and by proxy is, is such a big part of what makes the, the awkwardness exist. We look to them for reassurance. We ask them things about stage or prognosis. Sometimes we'll just come right out and ask, say, well, are you going to be okay? Or, or something of that sort. And we're, we're essentially taking all the worry that we have on their behalf or by proxy and handing it off to them, which is really an unfair thing to do. That's a common mistake. The other very common one is we offer medical advice that either doesn't match what their type of care that they're pursuing is, or really doesn't match their problem. Um, the internet's a wonderful source of information, but with something as complex as cancer, it's very easy to accidentally read the wrong information. I mean, there's probably half a dozen different types of lung cancer, depending on uh, how you classify it, and many different forms of breast cancer, many dozen different types of lymphoma. And if you just search lymphoma standard treatment, you might be reading about something that's completely irrelevant. We offer advice or based on our own searches, it, it more often is off base than on base. So are there any general tips that you would advise people when talking to a friend or loved one with cancer? The second one is put effort into the rules of good listening and engagement, which is easy to forget when we're feeling a bit anxious. So the rules of good listening are make good eye contact. Don't look away, but don't stare. Give your full attention. Turn towards people. Don't be looking at your phone. Don't be glancing around at other people. Don't interrupt. Show your support through body and facial expressions. You can say a lot just by 
a hand on a shoulder or a hand on the back of a hand or something of that sort. Things like an empathetic smile or frown or any of that. Accept people's emotions without owning them and without judgment. People express anger or sadness, cry, throw things, as long as it's not at you. I mean, emotional responses don't, A, have to belong to us and don't need to make us afraid or feel like they're necessarily ours to fix. They just are. Just accept them. Really avoid giving advice unless they ask specifically. And... Don't use humor to make light of things or uh, unless they are doing it themselves or invite you to do so. We'll talk about humor in in some of the do's because humor has a big role to play, I I think, in a normal, healthy life and in coping even with really difficult and sometimes frightening and challenging things. But that's not really a door for us to open. That's a door for them to open. No one should carry the burden of cancer alone. And while every physician approaches cancer with their own unique skill set, we all agree on this one simple idea. Hi, I'm Dr. Gaiu, a physician at Green Bay Oncology. The truth is, a cancer diagnosis can make you and your loved ones feel isolated and overwhelmed. And these moments are exactly when you need support the most. That's why all our doctors rely on the support of our team of qualified medical professionals. And here's two of them. Hi, I'm Madison Young. And I'm Tom Beckers. As social workers, we see how meaningful connection brings strength and healing to patients and loved ones facing cancer every single day. Our patients and physicians agree. Sharing your experience in a safe space with others is powerful and therapeutic. That's why we offer a free monthly virtual and in-person cancer support group facilitated for you wherever you are on your cancer journey. So whether by internet, phone, or in person, you'll have access to the support of a community on a similar path. To join us, visit gboncology.com and click on support. It is perfectly okay to acknowledge your own discomfort. One, because it naming the thing removes some of its power. And two, they're going to be able to tell anyway. Most people are not very good at hiding their nonverbals. And you may as well just acknowledge it and say, hey, you know what? I feel really weird about this. I don't know how to feel about this. Or I'm feeling nervous. I'm afraid to say the wrong thing. Just It's okay to say it. It's honest. It's open. And it can really sort of defang it. Some starter phrases that a lot of people find helpful. You know, I've never been in the situation you're in before, and I'm not sure what to say. I don't really know what to say or do. Can you tell me what you'd like to talk about? I'm nervous about visiting you, which seems silly. Is there something I should or shouldn't do while I'm here? You should feel free to talk about the normal things that you'd normally talk about. The game, uh, whatever TV shows you're watching, if you have books, whatever you know, silly things the kids or the grandkids did. And again, expressing empathy. There's lots of different ways to do that. You can say things like, this must be a tough time for you, which is acknowledging. I cannot imagine how you must feel. I'm sorry you're going through something like this. I don't know what to say. I'm here for you if you want to talk. How are you really? It's okay that you're upset or angry or however it is they're feeling. I won't take it personally if you don't want to talk. It's okay to give people an out if they don't want to talk about it. You can sometimes say something as simple as, I care about you and I'm thinking about you. 
Most of us feel a powerful urge to help when we see our friends or loved ones facing cancer. That comes from a deep place in our hearts and is one of the most redeeming qualities human beings can have. But too often, we offer help before we've thought of something specific we can do. And the result is, our offer sounds and feels hollow. I asked Mitch if he had any practical suggestions on how to truly be helpful. Patients have often reported a lot of well-meaning, broad offers for help that sometimes seem either insincere because they're so broad or are so general they really don't know what to do with them. If you want to offer help with something specific that you are able and willing to do, absolutely do not offer help if it's not something that you're able or willing to do. Some examples, do you need a ride to your appointment? Can I drop off some dinner tonight, tomorrow, next week? Uh, would you like to find a private place to talk? Is there anything that's not getting done around the house that I could help with? You need help with the yard work. You need help with the shopping. Do you need me to clean? What feels overwhelming? Is there anything I can take care of? Any chores that need doing? I know you like to be independent. Are there any things you'd like me to take over until you're, you're ready to take them back over yourself? I'd like to bring you a moment of joy or, or take you to do something fun or just provide for something fun for you. Is there something fun you'd like to do? Uh, tickets to a show that you want to go to? Do you want to do something fun together? Those are concrete, helpful things that can mean a lot. And again, it's not our place to feel one way or the other about whether the help is accepted or not. But just making a sincere offer of help can mean a lot to people. And if it's grounded in something concrete that, that can really be delivered, it's a lot more meaningful. What are the big don'ts? We, we've covered some of them, but we'll, we'll just run through the bullet points again. Don't offer general help. Well, if there's anything I can do, just, just reach out and let me know. I mean, we're sort of handing off the work to them and it, it, it doesn't really sound that sincere when it's not well thought out. And it's normally hard for anybody, let alone somebody going through cancer, to accept help or ask for it then. So, yeah, putting that responsibility on them is probably not the best. Most people don't like to ask for help. I, I don't particularly either. But the, the more of that work we do to make the help easier to accept is is uh, is a good thing. Uh, don't ask probing questions. What's your stage? What's your diagnosis? Who's your doctor? Where are you going? Are you going to live? Those sorts of things. If they want to talk about it, that's great. Don't ask about prognosis unless they want to talk about it. Do not try to reassure because, one, you don't know enough about their case to be reassured. Two, you don't know what they're really worried about. Don't compare their situation to other situations. People don't want to be lumped together, generally. And the cancer your grandma had may be very different than the, the cancer your friend or your loved one has. Do not offer medical advice, alternative or otherwise, unless they ask for it. Believe me, they're getting bombarded by friends, family, and by all of the robo-spammers as their inbox fills up almost immediately. I don't know how they find out, but it, it's incredible. I've heard that repeatedly. And don't add to their burdens by demanding updates. Uh, they get to choose how much of their information is passed out and to whom and how often they update it. Uh, they've got plenty on their minds. Don't presume that it's their job to update you. That's another example of taking our own anxiety and making it their burden at a time when they really do not need it. Those are the most common uh, missteps that well-intentioned people, I think, often make and that I hear about the most from patients.
So continuing to engage with our friends and loved ones with cancer is really important. It's a big part of healing. There's good data in the palliative literature and in the supportive care literature that shows that the more people are able to stay engaged as much as possible in a normal way with their social circles, with their work circles, with their, with, with their church circles, the better people tend to do emotionally. And just being present can mean a lot. We, we don't have to necessarily help people solve problems to have a role in their healing. Companionship is a really powerful therapeutic in ways that, that we still don't quite understand. But I, I know it from my work and I know it from my own personal life, the, the power it can have. Don't ever feel like just sitting quietly with somebody is doing nothing. Sometimes it's everything. And when we get to that place where we're less afraid to be present... Well, we can really make a difference for the people we care about. Thanks for joining us on Cancer Covered. Please let us know what you think by leaving a review. To learn more, read our blog, request an appointment, search available clinical trials, or even apply to become a member of the team, go to gboncology.com.